Hey, Fresh Capital listeners. We've got a special breakdown today. Joining Albert and I is Matt Berry, an investment analyst from Platinum Asset Management. In this episode, we discuss Roblox, one of the world's most exciting companies. Known as a kids gaming platform, over one third of American kids under 16 play games on Roblox's platform. But Roblox is more than just computer games. It's the latest way to hang out and socialize online. We break it all down in this episode. Listen and enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Fresh Capital. Every week, we provide a refreshingly simple way to learn about companies and investing. My name is Dan. Joining me today, old friend Albert and a new friend, Matt Berry from Platinum Asset Management. Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming in on an early Saturday morning. Albert, how are you doing? Going good. Dan, I think we talked about before, but I'm at my parents' house and you know, they've got this super fancy coffee maker, which is yeah, <laughs> a bit luxe. It's like a fancy <laughs> uh, So you're caffeinated and ready to go. This week, we're talking about the pitch for Roblox. Uh, and Matt's helping us out because he's, uh, he's, he's been really thinking about it for the last couple of months. Is that right, Matt? How, how far does it date back? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I got interested back when they IPO'd. Um, so in the start of this year, I think February, March, I spent a fair bit of time on it. And then, yeah, the company's been executing really well. So I've been following it and, um, yeah, I've been getting progressively more excited. Awesome. So for those that don't know, Roblox is an online gaming platform where you can play games designed by other users, create, share your own games using their proprietary game development tools. So there's actually there's a lot of different aspects to Roblox that we'll get into a little bit. But first, we'll just do some quick hits. Albert, what do you have off the bat? Yeah, so you know something I really like about Roblox, uh, they do a lot of collaboration. So as part of that, you can have an avatar character in your game that represents who you are and what you want to look like in the game. And they, Roblox is a company do collaborations with different brands. Like they did one with Nike where all the users got free Nike airs to put onto their avatar, which is pretty cool. Nice. I mean, one of mine is just, I think it goes out saying Roblox as a video game targets the slightly lower end of the age spectrum. Um, I think we're sort of around that 13 years old age range. Uh, there's a lot of parental controls there. I think if you if you Google them, there's lots of media articles about you know safety for your kids, those sorts of things. Um, but they've they've got a lot of controls in place, a lot of moderators. Um, you can have pin the parental pins, which essentially stop your kid from maxing out your your credit card, those sorts of things. Um, not really a big part of the business, but it's just good to flag that at the start that it's a serious it's a thing they take seriously. Matt, do you have anything as a quick hit? Uh, I'd say what I find pretty cool is that people think about this as a gaming platform for, um, for kids. And I think that's because a lot of times when people look at new disruptive stocks, they try to analogize to the past. So they try to say, oh, I'm used to looking at game stocks. So I'll think about this as game stocks 2.0. But I think what's really cool about Roblox is it doesn't quite fit into any old categories. It's not quite a game platform. It's not quite a 
social media um, platform. And you can see that by the fact that like some really cool stuff happens there. For example, um, I think a few months ago, someone paid $3,500 for a Gucci bag on Roblox. So <laughs> it's not quite, you know, you're spending money to hang out with friends there and for the social status of, you know, spending that much money on a Gucci handbag. Mm, and I think that's mm. really unique. Well, this is a good segue into what is the market overview? Where are they playing? And as you say, it's it's not just a place where people play games. It's where they can create. It's where they can hang out with their friends. Um, if you wanted to visualize it, it looks a little bit like Lego in terms of like its, its sort of graphics and that sort of thing. But Albert, if you sort of wanted to place them, you've got hardcore games like your COD or something like that. You've then got like Nintendo, Mario, which is a little bit more... Um, I don't know, younger for, for the audiences. Where do you put in Roblox in this sort of spectrum from a user perspective, um, but then also just more generally as a company? Yeah, I probably don't put Roblox into anything close to I like Mario or like a hardcore game because like Roblox as a company is not actually a game. It's a, it's a gaming platform. So it's probably more analogous to something like Unity, which, you know, I believe is listed or, you know, the, which with their Unreal Engine or potentially like um, other gaming engines. So I probably analogize that more to what Roblox is as a business in terms of the kind of games that it creates. Because it's a gaming platform, it's got a pretty vast spectrum of different games. And obviously a lot of them are geared towards kids, you know, people being 9 to 12 or, or over 13, which is their age categories. But across, you know, the games or all the, the products on the games, they've got a pretty wide spectrum as well, right? There's people who design Ariana Grande concerts where you can relive a concert in Roblox. Or there's games that are like horror-esque escapist games where kids run away from, like, pigs with baseball bats. And so <laughs> it, it is hard to kind of bucket it or try to analogize it to, like, COD or Mario because it's, it's not like that at all. Is this where it's it's more like the metaverse? I mean, how would you categorize it, Matt? Uh, yeah, I would say Albert's probably on point there, but I think what sets apart Roblox that people probably don't appreciate is um, it actually does many different layers of offering the game. So, or sorry, I shouldn't say game. It's really experiences. Um, so there is that unity aspect of you have the game engine, and you can make these experiences. But what sets the business apart is they're vertically integrated. So they have, for example, all the infrastructure, um, you know, globally to be able to offer, you know, huge multiplayer concurrency at very low latency. Um, you know, if, for example, I think they have nearly 10 terabits um, Per second of bandwidth capacity and for perspective cloudflare just crossed a hundred terabits per second so it's kind of you know they're nearly a tenth the size of cloudflare um when it comes to infrastructure um so yeah i like the fact that it's just vertically integrated you have the game studio you own the users um and yeah you have all the infrastructure as well 
This is an interesting point because uh, we might get into later some of the competitors and we look at Unity or Fortnite as a competitor. One of the things which has sort of limited them recently in terms of their outlook is that face not Facebook, Apple has, um, what do they call it, They're essentially restricting advertisers' uh, right to view some of the user data. Um, and that restricts them because they, they monetize advertisements through the game. And the reason they have that problem is because they're not vertically integrated. Like they rely on platforms or iOSs like Apple for them to monetize and, and sell their game. Is what you're essentially saying here, Matt, is that Roblox has sidestepped this issue because they have integrated from top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I would say that, um, yeah, I didn't say that before, but another part of that vertical integration is it's almost like they have their own app store. So that's kind of cool that users, you know, because you have your avatar, like, you know, you have your person on Roblox and you've bought clothes for them. When you go to play a game, you might no longer search the app store because if you go on the app store, you have to download another app and that's friction and you'll be playing the game in that app with, you know, starting from a blank piece of paper. Whereas when you go into Roblox, you'd rather go into Roblox to search again because, you have all your friends already there. Um, you have your skins, your avatar clothing um, already there. Um, so it is kind of sidestepping, yeah, the iOS app store as well. Is this a little bit like Steam, Albert? Because that's when I saw the sort of outlay um, for Roblox. And Matt made a grimace, so maybe he's like, don't compare this to Steam at all. But, but Albert, how do you see it sort of fit in? To that because Steam is, is also a marketplace in a sense where lots of developers pop up their games. Yeah, so Steam is probably analogous as to what that kind of Roblox marketplace or app store looks like, where users can, you know, build and publish their well, you know, 3D experiences is what you know Roblox call it, but but games, for lack of a better word, but you know, they're they really are experiences because you know, for the most part, they're not just games, like they're literally concerts and you know, social hangouts and, you know, recreations of people's schools and things like that. And so the the Steam element, Dan, that you could be referring to is like the fact that you can, as a Roblox user, choose different experiences to play. And like Matt said, you're, you're jumping into that experience using your character, your avatar, already preset. If you've got your Gucci bag, you're going to have your Gucci bag, whether you're at the Ariana Grande concert or whether... <laughs> Or whether you're running from, you know, these like horror pigs with a baseball bat. So, Albert, do you want to free, freelance a little bit here? What's interesting you about Roblox? How about you set the, the next topic? Yeah, so, you know, when I kind of zoom out and look at Roblox, Roblox as a game, or Roblox as a platform to, to you know, kind of use um, more accurate terminology, it's really running on a couple of different tailwinds that we see play out a lot. The first is user-generated content. So, you know, we see the real big shift at the moment towards, you know, UGC, the rise of like TikTok, Instagram, you know, Minecraft has a bit of user-generated content, YouTube, but users now are creating content and more content and higher quality content. And for Roblox as a platform to enable users or developers to create their own content, to create their own experiences, really plays into Roblox's favor and we'll talk about it kind of its network effect um, I'm sure later on in the pod but you know as you have more users and more developers come onto the platform to create different experiences 
you're going to attract more users who then attract their friends, who then attract their developers. And it plays really nicely because Roblox actually have a really smooth transition from being a user to being a developer. You know, every year their developer cohort is actually growing and growing stronger, which means they're creating more content for the Roblox platform. Does that fit in with your thesis, Matt? I mean, I, I might just give a, a little overview of some of the numbers there before you, you go, Matt. But so for quarter three, they just uh, released uh, an update and uh, that their share price rocketed afterwards because they were good numbers. They're up to 47 million daily active users. Engagement grew by about 28% to over 11 billion hours. Bookings, and we'll get into how they monetize the platform in a bit, improved also by 28% to 60 638 million. Um, so across the board, everything's growing, even though people are back in school. Um, how, how is this all fitting together for you, Matt? And I might just quickly jump in there because, you know, I've seen screenshots of people's, um, you know, screen time on, on your iPhone. Like on iPhone, it tells you what you spent most of your apps on. I've seen screenshots on Twitter of people's phones being like, this is my cousin. They've played 15 hours of Roblox this week and they've been on Instagram for like one hour. Or, or you know, this is <laughs> this is the amount of time or all the different concerts or whatever that, you know, my, my son is playing on Roblox. I've seen like letters that, that kids write their parents during quarantine being like, please, mum, can I play Roblox? Like, you know, the, the 47 million daily active users is an incredible number, but it doesn't really capture how obsessed you know, kids are on this platform. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think even a bit more than a year ago, the company came out saying that in the US, I think two thirds of eight to 12 year olds were actually already playing Roblox. Um, and it was the number one discretionary, I mean, number one way for kids to spend pocket money last Christmas, I think. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, those numbers that you said, Dan, it's incredible. But I think what's even more incredible is the fact that they have all these users and they're growing all these users. You know, they are actually growing users 43% most recently, um, growing total hours spent, I think, 41%. This is all with the headwinds of the US opening up post-COVID and all these kids that used to stay at home and play Roblox now actually have to go to school five days a week and you're still seeing usage flat to growing. Um, so I think that blows my mind because if you take away those headwinds, this business is actually growing even faster. Um, yeah, but back to what Albert was saying about, you know, what stands out, what makes this business incredible. Um, I agree that the whole angle of, letting your users generate your experiences for you. I think that's really cool. And I think that's the future and it's really hard to compete with because the old school economic model of making a game, right, is you pay all these game developers um, big salaries. They work super hard for, you know, let's say 24 months is how long it normally takes, one to four years. Um, and so if you're a game studio and you want to commit to making a game, you need huge financial backing. And that's why these game studios are generally owned by big players like, you know, EA or 
Activision because they're the only guys with the balance sheet to fund this. And so you make this huge bet at the start that this game is going to be a big thing. You fund it for a few years and then you release it to the audience and you really don't know uh, what the traction is going to be like. It could be a huge flop and you've spent, you know, $10 million. I think AAA games now cost something like $100 million to develop each. And it's actually really risky because you sink so much capital up front, you don't know the outcome. And what's happened with the industry now is the industry stopped releasing um, as many new games as before. So what's happening now is the industry releases, the gaming industry releases mainly just sequels because they know that if you bought the last Call of Duty or the last FIFA, you'll probably buy the next one. Um, so what I think is cool about Roblox is they have a much more iterative uh, way to come up with new experiences or new games. So you create a um, pretty basic concept. If it gains traction and there's users, then you invest a bit more. Then you see what parts of your experience the users are using and you can develop more that way. And I think it's just a much more uh, effective uh, yeah, way to develop games. And I think it's going to be hard to compete because these guys have millions of developers. So this is interesting because this is going to be, for the listeners out there, a flag. Uh, I'm going to be the challenger here to Albert and Matt, I think. And this is going to be my first challenge. And, and that is, we talked about the benefits of vertical integration before on the business side of things. I see that similarly for game development. If you're an Activision or an EA, because you have the developers in-house, you can really leverage your learnings, the user feedback, to create the next hit game. At Roblox, like you've got 18-year-olds developing these games, etc. They don't have access to all of the user data that Roblox have. And if you look at some of the games that are being made, like... They're, they're not original. Like they're, they're maybe like a Club Penguin knockoff. Recently, Squid Game uh, was really, really popular. And so there's been a bunch of knockoffs off that. Like these games, I think, are pretty derivative. And if you ask me, like, as a business, do they have staying power? It relies on the content being continually engaging. Like I think one of the things they reported is their average lifetime or lifespan for a user is about two years for a paid user. That, to me, compare that to like a FIFA where I've got friends who've been playing FIFA or NBA 2K for like eight, nine years. That's, that's a gap that I see. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of things you can unpack in that statement, Dan. But like first is like, what are you trying to optimize for? Because how often do you play FIFA? Do you play FIFA once a day? Do you play FIFA? How, like, if you play FIFA once a day, how many times do you play FIFA? Like if you're a business trying to optimize for user stickiness, you're not trying to optimize for someone who's going to play FIFA once a month for eight years. You're optimizing for the kid who's going to play every day, every single day for two years, or you know, every second day for two years. Well, right. actually, just to add in something that you, you're probably optimizing for the user that pays X amount of dollars every day, right? Oh, and of course, right. Of course. In that circumstance, the user that right. logs on once a month for FIFA and buys a, a pack of the player cards might actually spend more than a kid who's coming on just to socially hang out and can't spend too much money. Yeah, I mean, you probably need some data to, to verify that. But I think the, the other point you're making is like the, 
um, the, the historical legacy of different games, right? You talk about like, is this game going to be enduring because it's a, it's a knockoff or a ripoff? But I think to Matt's point is like the most popular games on Roblox or the most popular experiences are, are things that you probably wouldn't have thought they were going to be super popular as a game developer. Like there's a there's a experience called Pizza Place where users just work at a fictional pizza place and people come to hang out to get pizza and people come to make pizza. Like no one would have thought to make that game or that experience and, you know, thought that kids would want to play it. But, you know, there you go. And I think the other thing you touched on was like the learnings that come from being a Blizzard or Activision and keeping, you know, that intellectual IP within the company. Like there are gaming studios within Roblox like, you know, they've got profiles of different developers in the annual report. You know, there are developers who pull in more than a million dollars a year and have, you know, 13 or 14 people working for them, building experiences in Roblox. So within Roblox itself, you still have that microcosm of different people and developers leveraging and building out things on that platform in the same way that you have people building on any other platform like Shopify, Salesforce, Atlassian, etc. Yeah, or the app store for Apple. Exactly, exactly. Matt, did you have something you wanted to get in on? Yeah, I think when thinking about this, kind of like what I was saying at the start, it's probably dangerous to analogize, analogize um, Roblox to old, you know, to traditional games. Um, I think in terms of monetization, uh, you're right. Roblox might not monetize as well as maybe a FIFA um, but that's because it is still early on in this platform's life and they're just trying to get people to spend as much time in the platform and they'll find ways to monetize later. So this is kind of just a wedge now um, so that yeah, people spend a lot of time on the platform. In terms of the learnings that these game studios have, I'd say that Roblox's advantage of being able to instantly get user feedback and iteratively product test is probably more useful. Um, when I think of, for example, you know, Warcraft 3, which wasn't, I mean, Warcraft 3, you could make custom maps as an afterthought and you had amateurs playing around on that and that spawned Dota, which spawned League of Legends, which spawned Honor of Kings, which is a huge business now. And to think that that was built by amateurs on a platform that wasn't actually the purpose to build, um, to let people make new kind of forms of games. I think, I think Roblox would have even more potential because Roblox is actually built um, to help people create new games. So I think that kind of shows the power of where this can go. I agree. I guess when, when I look at companies, I try and break down, I mean, it's a similar framework that others use. It's like, well, what do you need to believe to be true for it to be successful? And I think one of the key questions that I have identified for Roblox is that you believe that people are going to stick with the platform from like, say, age 13 onto age 18 or even further down the track there as the, the platform builds out. The, the challenge I have for that is like... <laughs> There's like those games you listed off, like Honor of Kings, Dota, League of Legends, they're they're competitive. 
like they actually have professional esports. So when you look at that pipeline, you can see people getting in at age 15 and legitimately they can play to like 30, not if not professionally, but just, you know, however. What's the pipeline for Roblox? Like that's something I'd like to know. Like how do they build out users over time and get them to stick? I think it's like first you have to segment out what that looks like. Like if you're asking about if you convert a nine-year-old through their entire life cycle from nine to say 13 to then 18 to 25 or whatever, it's it's hard to predict that because it's a consumer platform. But part of it is driven by who the developers are and are they building experiences that keep those users relevant, right? The other platform, the other part of that is the conversion of users or to developers. And and that is getting more seamless for Roblox, where people are quickly converting from being users to then developers. And you know, you talk about competitiveness. Developers are pulling in a million dollars a year if you're a really okay, great developer. A small fraction of the like they've they've highlighted the top one percent. Like uh, the the transition from a gamer, from a casual game to a pro gamer, to me the experience is largely similar. Yeah, the experience from going to a user of the platform of Roblox to a developer, I, I think, is a completely different experience. Like I think kids who are really interested in design, like they have creative aspirations, this becomes the alternative towards you know going to a design house or something. But I don't think anyone's going to play the game and be like, this is so fun. Now I'm just going to I actually make the disagree. Game the I actually disagree on this point, right? Because in, <laughs> in the 50s, you had people who played with Lego. And 50s was a world of manufacturing and building, right? Lego was right. so uh, pervasive, and it still is, but in a world where manufacturing reigned supreme, in the 90s where PCs reigned supreme, you had people tinkering with PCs who became really great leading consumer computing experts like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates, like they talk about tinkering with PCs really young. Now you have a bunch of kids tinkering on a low-code platform called Roblox. And what does that mean for the future? Like if you believe Roblox becomes a development platform where can people can build out what the metaverse looks like, then, yeah, absolutely there's going to be stickiness. I'm going to borrow one of your phrases from this episode, Albert. I'm going to need the data on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say on that point, um, I mean, just on where what this platform would look like going forward, I think what makes it a really interesting um, potential investment is that it does on the surface look like a platform that is just for kids. And I think that's what makes people dismissive of this. Mm. But I think if you look at a lot of tech innovations, a lot of the time it first gains traction with kids. And then as it, um, as the product improves, then it gains traction with people older up. So I remember, for example, TikTok one and a half years ago, I thought it was the biggest fad ever and I just did not get it. And then I found myself hooked on it, say, half a year ago, and I had to uninstall the app. Um, (laughs) So I would say that right now Roblox does appeal more to kids, and that is because kids care more about the concept 
of the game, whereas older people care more about, you know, the graphics and how realistic it looks. But I think it's only a matter of time before Roblox's platform is uh, well-positioned enough to actually have very sophisticated games. And you're seeing evidence of that. So there's startups now that are raising millions of dollars off VCs that um, these startups are just focused on making games on Roblox. So you're getting professional, you know, triple A game developers now making stuff here. Um, if you look at the improvements on the platform, so the avatars are no longer these blocky Lego-like characters. They're becoming UGC. You can look like anything you want. Um, if you've seen Ready Player One, that's kind of the idea of that. Um, and you're seeing it in the data as well. So Ballpark, the number of users that are 13 and above is growing something like 50% year on year, whereas under 13s is only growing 20%. So you are seeing it gradually appeal to older users. Um, and there are experiences that are appealing to older users that are coming more on the platform now. So things like, you know, e-commerce, like the Gucci garden store, um, concerts, um, like Squid Games after that um, was a big hit on Netflix. They found that people were going to Roblox older users to actually play the Squid Games. So I think, yeah, I think it's still, it's probably one of the biggest question marks how far up in age this platform can appeal to people. But I think... Um, this has the best chance. I think, Dan, if you want to analogize to games, though, like you talk about, you know, people playing FIFA for years and years, like people stick with the games that they played with growing up. Like I, I still play Pokemon, and I first played Pokemon when I was like, I don't know, seven, right? I've played the latest Pokemon. We'll mm. play the next one that comes out. I pre-order the next Pokemon that comes out, right? And I'm almost 30. Uh, <laughs> I think, you know, Matt's right, like, you know, the under th- 13s and over are the fastest growing segment of Roblox's age demographic. And it's been like that for the past, you know, seven to eight quarters. And so if I, I believe that Roblox can exactly, yes, exactly, yes, more than half these. So if I, I really believe that, you know, the developers of Roblox can continue and developers being the people who develop on the platform can continue to build experiences that are relevant. And as they get older, they'll build experiences that are relevant for them as well. You know, it's not 12-year-olds building experiences. It's, it's 21-year-olds, it's 18-year-olds who are building experiences. You know, that it's going to shift as people age. Mozart made a symphony at three years old. So, you know, you might get one of those developers. <laughs> one, thing I wanted to, one thing I wanted to pick up was... Matt used the word which had been circling in my head, which is fad. And it's interesting when we talk about why are some of these younger users on the platform? And I actually don't believe it's because of the game. I think it's because their friends are there. It's, it's the social link. And that can be incredibly powerful because then it, it sticks and locks them in. But Matt, I'm really curious on your thoughts on this. And I, I know you've already prefaced this whole episode by saying let's not analogize to certain things. But I, I think of MSN. Before MSN, you had MySpace. Uh, after that, you've had Facebook, and uh, there's statistics around there about how their users are sort of dropping off in terms of engagement. Um, I'm just wondering, like when we think of these social platforms, which we all grew up with, 
um, as kids going through high school, etc., they change over time. Like the the kids that are in primary school, high school now, they're using TikTok or, or a platform that we didn't use. So when we look at Roblox, if we characterize it as the social hangout place for kids, what what gives us confidence that in ten years from now there's not a Roblox two point another company? Yeah, I think what differentiates Roblox from the examples you gave before is the fact that the as much of this platform as possible is user generated content. So basically, what that means is that the platform will evolve with people's taste changes. So something like MSN, it stayed like MSN, and then people um, wanted to, you know, like with Facebook, you had photos and you had your stories, and MSN's Mm -hmm. user interface stayed completely the same. So it um, eventually went uh, became redundant. Whereas with Roblox, um, developers will make whatever users, you know, think is the flavor of the day. The other thing regarding the fad is I think with every passing month post, you know, April 2020, which is when all the users initially joined because of COVID, for every month further away from that date where those users are still staying, just gives me more and more confidence that users will be sticky. And that's why I said, you know, this is more exciting now than it was when I looked at it when they were looking to IPO late last year and early this year. Yes, and and I guess the only thing I'd add to that, Dan, is you've used MSN to analogise, you've used um, MySpace to analogise, and, you know, they they all died, right? But there's one other user-generated business from the early 2000s around the same time Roblox was founded that is still really strong, and that's YouTube. And I think that's a way better analogy to think about because YouTube, again, is a user-generated content platform that would, you, you could argue was a fad, you know, but because it was user-generated, it always remained relevant and still remains relevant because people would create content based on what's interesting. And, and YouTube has evolved right now. It's like live streams and TikTok equivalents and... Um, you know, heaps of other things, but mm. it's about how users keep the product relevant. Yeah, I, actually, I love that analogy. And because it, it draws into what I see the difference being with YouTube or even Twitch, the users creating the content become tastemakers. You know, they become people who, you know, when PewDiePie did reaction videos or an overlay on, on game videos, that really exploded the scene of people emulating PewDiePie and then riffing off it, doing their own take, making things fresh and original. I think there's a tension between what you guys are saying about the pathway from a user on Roblox to a developer and then also accepting that those developers are becoming more sophisticated. Because when we look at YouTube, yes, some of the biggest creators, they've got teams behind them. But you could legitimately have a million subscribers and still be a one-person shop. I don't know for Roblox if you have that. And I also don't think you have the same like prestige around being a Roblox developer as you do to being like a social media influencer on YouTube. Um, I, I just think there's a difference there. <laughs> Maybe this is just me generalizing, but of the developers I know, they don't really care about prestige, right? They care about creating really meaningful content 
and and building building things rather than the prestige that comes with being a YouTuber or an Instagram influencer. Uh, yeah, that's great. But you're, you're talking about you want the pipeline to be strong, and so you want an incentive there. And it's just facts that not everyone wants to be a great game developer. But to a certain extent, everyone wants to be famous, and I think that's why YouTube really got that kickstart. Well, I think I think there's there's seven or eight million developers on Roblox of forty seven, you know, daily active users. That's you know what, like ten percent. Yeah, but those numbers are inflated. We know this. We know like the bottom twenty percent is probably just like empty accounts who just or, or who put up absolute crap. It's the same with YouTube or TikTok. Yeah, exactly. But you're you're using the totality of numbers as evidence of something. You go, Matt. Yeah, I think I would probably side more with Dan here in terms of I think the Bet- developer betray. base is moving towards. <laughs> I think I think the developer base is moving to be more sophisticated, and so I think it will be hard for you know a thirteen year old to compete with a 50 developer game studio on Roblox. Um, I think it's a net good thing. I think there probably will still be a space for really basic games for individual users to make. But I think the biggest hit games will probably be done by bigger studios now. And what will happen if you do have a um, an individual user you know, say a 13-year-old that stumbles across a cool new format is they won't be able to keep up with iterating and adding more to the game. Um, what will happen is you'll have these 20-person studios come in, copy the game, and just add new features, add new levels or whatever much more quickly. So I think there's a space for both, but I think the biggest games increasingly will be done by studios with lots of developers that are professionalized. Hmm. I want to pivot us away from the deep look into Roblox and have a look at, at some of their competitors. And if I can set the frame, I think when we look at some of these entertainment businesses, I really like the way Netflix uh, basically positioned their, their competitor profile, which was anyone that could entertain you for a night is our competitor. Like board games are our competitors, video games are our competitors, all the other streaming services are our competitors. Uh, when we talk about the ex- experiences that Roblox offer, there's a lot of competitors to that. So, Albert, how do you see that landscape? This is this is a great conversation. Like, I think Netflix put it as like they're competing for eyeballs. That's, yep. that's how they do it. I think they're competitors. I have a really great list, and this list isn't a competitive list, but it's a children's top 10 savings wish list. And the number one competitor, because <laughs> uh, I think the number one, uh, you know, top of the kids' wish lists is Lego. Like Lego is a competitor. You know, physical, you're still building things, you're building worlds. And, mm. you know, Lego have acquired an AR, VR play. They've got games. Like you don't know what Lego is going to be doing in the future but could push into that space. Phones, Fortnite, another competitor. You know, other gaming devices, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation, other toys, um, you know, from a developer landscape, you're also competing with other platforms that could be developing for, you know, there's a magnitude of developers out there who are trying other things. You know, they could be developing other platforms, other games. 
you know, there's heaps of ways kids can spend their time or users could be spending their time. They could also just be a living life, right? They could be experiences that they could be building in Roblox. They could just be living out and not spending on Roblox. So mm. from a competitive set, yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, highly competitive. So then, Matt, as the investor analyst amongst us, uh, you know, classic thinking is to think of competitive moats. Are there competitive moats here? Yeah, I think so. Um, so the biggest competitive moat is just the scale and the network effects at play here. Um, so if you want to develop a game, you would rather develop it on Roblox because they have 230 million MAUs every month versus developing a game on a normal game engine and then trying to sell copies, trying to sell down, trying to sell it, starting from a base, an, an, an audience of zero. Um, so if you're a developer, it is most logical for you to develop on Roblox. Now, if you're a user, you want to be on Roblox because, well, the best games are on Roblox now. Um, and all your friends are on Roblox as well. And as you, as the platform pushes more towards Arbiter skin spend, you also have sunk more cost into your Arbiter and Roblox. So all things equal, you'd rather be on, you'd, you'd rather play the same game on Roblox. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, the, we, we haven't really gotten into the monetization of things, but the idea that you can buy accessories for your avatar, um, you know, you can have the Gucci handbag and that sticks with that avatar, you, you can't take that across into other platforms or the game. So that is a, a sticky factor. Yeah, the other thing I'd add to that is in a world where, you know, there's so much content out there, especially user-generated content, and we're kind of shifting towards what people are calling like the creator economy, you know, NFTs enable you to own part of that and things like that. Like Roblox is just an IP machine. And you, you look at other IP machines like Netflix, Nintendo who are creating IP. Like Roblox have millions of people creating intellectual property, creating stories, creating experiences. And that to me is really their competitive advantage. They're just a machine that can churn out IP from the imagination of 9 to 12-year-olds. I think a vice president of EA was on the record recently saying, you know, look, we have these developers and they've created um, however many new skins. I think it was like 3,000 new skins or something for a game, but there's just no way we can compete with the orders of magnitude bigger that user-generated content platforms are doing. We just can't hire that many game developers economically. To me, this is so interesting because it just goes to like, uh, a principled debate between quality versus quantity. And I mean, Albert, when you said, you know, we've got this army of nine to 12 year olds churning out con content, I immediately thought, I feel so sorry for whoever has to sift through that because it's probably just terrible. <laughs> the, the best thing about content is that it's subjective. True. Right? Content is great dependent on your own context, right? I personally would never play a game or an experience where I'm simulating being a worker at a pizza restaurant. <laughs> like that is literally the last, like, no way how I'd want to spend my time. But obviously there are millions of people who want to spend their time doing that. And so the thing about content, especially at a consumer level, is you don't know what's going to stick. 
the fact that you've just got millions of people making things and random things like adopt a pet or running away from pigs with baseball bats, you know, or, or, you know, being in fantasy high schools and things like that, you know, the, the, the fact that those things stick is incredible. Hmm. I don't know if I'm persuaded. I, I think what just came to mind was like the fast food versus nutritional food is like, I sort of think some of those games are empty calorie. You brought up a bit earlier, Albert, that people were really nostalgic about games like Pokemon, Mario, Zelda. I mean, all those Nintendo games, but there's others across other platforms. Like, I I would say no if you asked me, will the 10-year-old kid playing uh, the pizza shop or hitting kids uh, pigs with bats, will they remember that 10 years from now and look back fondly? I, I just don't think so because I think there's that gap in quality. I think... I mean, I think they might look back on, you know, the social experience. I agree, um, that's true. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like when you're playing at the park, you know. It's mm. like, yeah, when you're when you're 30 years old, are you going to, you know, climb the monkey bars and go on the swings? Maybe not, but I think that, yeah, because, you know, I'm using a physical analogy to something that's digital. I think you could... Uh, kind of evolve that digital nostalgia into a game that is something more suitable for older people. Mm. I think we're, we're probably coming up towards the end of the the app, but maybe if we wrap up sort of future growth with our verdicts at the same time, one of my concerns for Roblox is, is I think as I've sort of said, I, I've got some concerns about whether they're going to keep up this momentum and if i had to bet i would say that they're probably going to decline in a similar way to like even Fortnite has has declined from when they were really the predominant fad doesn't mean they can't be successful business it just means that i think there's some deflation that needs to occur and then when i look at future growth what i think is telling is like in their prospectus they lobbed the the potential for china because, of course, every business wants to get into China. There's billions of users there. I, I just don't see the fit. I mean, even the Chinese government has restricted the amount of time kids can play video games to the Friday, Saturday, Sunday for like only an hour. And that's really limited other games in that space. Combined with that, with the fact that it's like, you know, a Western content creation machine. I just don't think China's going to be all on board with their kids playing Roblox. Um, that's, that's sort of where I'm at with that one. Yeah, I mean, if I was to think about my verdict of how this thing will look going forward, I probably disagree. I actually think that um, this business is going to accelerate, and I think you're seeing that in the numbers, right? So post-COVID... This business, uh, in terms of users, was growing around the 20% mark, 22 23%. This was, say, May, June 2021. And, you know, looking back at IPO, I thought that this business would probably be flat in terms of usage for the year lapping COVID. You just have to digest the fact that everybody was at home and could play it all day. And now you have to go back to school. You have to go back to work. And so I thought it was incredible. They were growing 20%. And now in the most recent numbers, they're actually growing usage 40% on top of, you know, even while already going back to school. Um, and an interesting fact is that in the US, 
USD AUs are flat year on year, but US MAUs are up 30%. And what that is telling you is that there are actually still more users playing on Roblox, but just that they don't play as frequently because, you know, if they have to go to school, they might only play on weekends. So the number of DAUs is flat, but you're actually still seeing underlying the number of users growing. And I think once you lap that year where they're digesting this, you know, reopening headwind, I think they can grow even faster than what they're growing now, which is Mm. at, you know, 40% usage. Um, And yeah, I think it's probably not fair to compare to Fortnite just because with any single game, you're right. Normally you see a spike for a year or two and then usage um, plummets, but I think there is an evergreen nature to user-generated content where the platform actually just gets more and more appealing. In terms of thinking about uh, where this business will go in the future, I think it's just getting started. Um, I think you have opportunities in things like e-commerce. I think it is much more fun to go shopping in a 3D world where you know each experience can be run by a different brand. Um, and you can go there, you know, with your friends in their avatars as well, try on clothes. I think that's more fun than, say, an experience in a 2D web browser or the hassle of actually having to go somewhere um, physical to do that. Um, I think there's huge opportunity in marketing. So, for example, Roblox recently said that NASCAR uh, made a brand deal with jailbreak which is an experience on roblox to basically say look you have cars in your game have them be nascar branded cars and i think that's going to be ubiquitous and that is probably how a large part of how roblox will monetize by taking a cut of these advertisers um, that are paying individual experiences to place items similar to i think you know in in movies how they do that yeah. And I think whatever James Bond has the Aston Martin and Aston Martin has to pay for that. Um, and I think you're also seeing Roblox move to subscriptions. So a kid will maybe get $10 a month allowance um, onto their Roblox account and they can spend that however much, however they want. And then you have all the, you know, depending how bullish you want to get, you can say they're going to go into education, you know, concerts will be online. There's, many avenues for this thing to grow. I think it's only just getting started. Yeah, I think, you know, Matt really summed it up um, well. You know, I think Roblox is, is a great business. And, you know, I really want to latch on to how, you know, users think about Roblox and how much they enjoy, you know, what Roblox does for them because, you know, it's really going to be users who drive the success of this business. And, you know... Even in its early days, people were making YouTube videos of, you know, different environments and experiences on like really terrible potato quality filming. Like, you know, some of the earlier Roblox videos on YouTube from like 2007 are people filming on a really terrible phone, but they're so proud to show off some experience that they've made on Roblox and that hasn't stopped. And in fact, it's snowballed. And I think that real big love that customers have for the product and the business will continue to propel Roblox forward as a whole. All right, let's finish up there. Thank you for listening to Fresh Capital. 
a podcast about companies and investing told in a refreshingly simple way. I thought I was going to bring up another point, but then I realized we'd probably argue about it for another 10 minutes. So, <laughs> what was the point? <laughs> what, was, what was the point? <laughs> I'm not going to get into it. We'll get into it after the recording. Um, but uh, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, having Matt on particularly and, and us deep diving with a bit of an assistance from an analyst, let us know uh, and we'll see you next week.